This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can show your support on patreon.com slash toadsanime and get four early episodes a month for just a few bucks. Plus it helps Ryan buy Digimon toys. Alternatively, spend it on something more important. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toad on Games podcast. The only podcast in the world which is hosted by a toad, which is me. I'm a toad. I'm actually not even that human anymore. I've lost a lot of my humanity. It's actually a really deep and dark story, and I don't want to go into it right now. Um, with me today, I have Paul Murphy. Hello. Hello. And did you want to tell people who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff? Yeah, no problem. Um, so my name's Paul Murphy. Um, I am the owner and editor of a little print Nintendo Switch magazine called Switch Player, um, which has been running for three years now. Um, so people may know me from... From that, um, we have around about 700 monthly subscribers to um, to a little A5 print magazine, and uh, we're about to launch. It's on Kickstarter. Um, as as recording this now, it finishes tomorrow. But when this goes out, I think it will have finished. But um, yeah, it's already funded. Um, uh, at, the, at the time of uh, of recording this, we're over 700 percent funded, and uh, I'm going to have great fun packing up 1,300 magazines in about a month. <laughs> It's all, it's all good fun. Mm. Um, before we get into things, full disclosure, obviously I work at Super Rare Games now. Um, we work with Paul doing little cards in the magazine and, and you know, we've had ads in the magazine. So just full disclosure, I'll throw all that out there. I'm a little journalist. Ethics want me to say that. So there it is. I did it. I said it. Um, on the magazine shipping, I've never... I, I, I mean... I guess this makes sense now that I think about it, but I've never thought that that's just poor little you having to ship everything. Yeah, that's me. Um, I mean, obviously, I have a team <laughs> of people that are all uh, all involved in various capacities. We have designers, we have writers, um, we we freelance a lot of our features out. But uh, when it comes down to it, I I sit there, I order all the magazines, and uh, with myself and my children, we sit down and we um, <laughs> we we pack them all up and and take them all to the post office. I mean, I'm quite lucky because of the way it's been designed. Um, they weigh 100 grams when they're packed, which means uh, for mm. everything in the UK, I only have to stick a stamp on it. But for the uh, for the other 350 or so, I have to take them to the post office. Mm. Uh, it takes about three or four hours to pack them all up, and uh, kids have great fun with me. <laughs> well, there you go. Make it make it a family event. That's how you do it. I mean, Get the kids involved. I mean, for full disclosure from my end, they choose to do it. They're not forced to do it. It's not part of the slave <laughs> camp that I run here with my children. It's a yeah. kind of thing they like to do with daddy. So That's sweet. That's cute. Um, yeah, I, I feel that whenever I talk about um, Switch Player and yourself, I get the impression that pretty much everyone in, in, in at least our little bubble, at least, is aware of you and is aware of Switch Player magazine. Like, it's 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 at least from that point of view, is doing really well. Like, I think most people have heard of you. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm finding more um, publishers that I haven't spoken to before are now getting in touch with me. And, and mm. like, you know, we've heard about you and this, this, that, the other. I think that from a, um, from a developer-publisher point of view, I think I'm more well-known than I am publicly. I think that mm. you know, in, in sort of like circles, people are now talking about us. And, and, and like, you know, I've um, I had a publisher last week that want to feature their products in the magazine and want to give us some to give away and things like that. And it's like, because obviously they're now realizing that even, even if I only have 700 people that buy the magazine, that's 700 mm-hmm. people that are actually going to sit there and read it cover to cover. 
So it's something yeah. that's going to go in those pages. It's going to get noticed as opposed to, you know, a partnership with a website that may get tens of thousands of clicks, but somebody mm-hmm. might not absorb all that information. Yeah, that's the thing. Obviously, I've come from a, a journalism background, but now working PR and working in PR, it's it's really it's interesting how um, uh, people are always more impressed by print coverage. So if it's when at previous trips I've been in, in my current one, if I go in and look, we're in this magazine or we're in this newspaper, that's a lot more impressive than we're on this site. And you know, as you say, that site may get tens of thousands of clicks or whatever but i guess it is because a it's cooler like it's just <laughs> here we are we're in this magazine and it's print it's cool and i'm holding it um and b um as you mentioned i imagine that the um the actual engagement or, or although because it's print this is difficult to measure the actual engagement is much higher for print because people have have put money they're not just clicked out of curiosity and buggered off they've they've got something invested in in into this product um so they will actually sit and read it all um, I know that I, uh, I I do that with Switchplay magazine and similar print mags. Um, yeah, I will see it read it all. Uh, it, it all gets read. Um, whereas with a with an online site, if I click on an article um, or whatnot, maybe I don't. Maybe I won't read all of it. Um, maybe I won't look around the rest of the site. Almost never, really. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's an interesting point that the uh, the engagement is probably higher for print mags. That's how I always felt, Ryan. You know, it, it's um, you always kind of felt a connection and an affinity with the magazine. It was kind of more mm. personal than just a digital display, and um, mm. and and even now in you know because obviously we have the website that accompanies Switch Player, but um, we we mm. kind of only use that as our that's where our reviews go online, so we we have a presence for Metacritic. Um, yeah, but you know that you know when we had previous ventures, it was all about the news and everything like that. But if you're not first, then you're kind of just part of the noise, and. Um, mm. You know, so from my point of view, you need to either do something better than somebody else, or you need to do something different um, so that mm. you stand out. Um, which is obviously what we we try to do both. You know, by doing something different yeah. and make it better. But um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's even even when we were covering news, sometimes a game would get released and I'd forget about it. You know, it's like yeah. um, you know, Crisis Remastered is coming out on the Switch, and they're talking about it today. Um, VGC have, have, have got their hands on some leaked screens, it seems, and. Um, there, um, I'd forgotten about Crisis Remastered. You know, it, mm. it's kind of, and it was a similar kind of thing last year with Saints Row Remastered and and things like that. It's like it all happens so quickly, especially with the, the the volume of releases on the Switch, that you can very quickly forget that something is coming. Whereas if you've got something listed in print that you refer to on a regular basis, it jogs the memory. Mm. Well, yeah, even for me working in PR, that's why. What you just mentioned is how every there's so much news happening that it all instantly gets forgotten about. That's why I have to have so many different marketing beats. So it's like, okay, we do the announcement here, and then we do a, a marketing beat here and here and here and here, and then we have launch. So I have to fill in that space because you can't just announce something and then be quiet and then the launch happens two months later because everyone will have forgotten about it. Um, so yeah, it is such a different space just in, in, in general with the games journalism and games news as to how it used to be, I suppose. Um, but as someone that obviously I work for a, a company that makes physical products in a lot of these podcasts and in a lot of my online presence, I'm talking about preservation and talking about why I like physical things. And that very much translates over to um, to print mags for me. That, that very much translates over. I like having a, although of course I read a lot of online coverage as well. I like having a physical magazine that I can pop on a shelf and it has all these really cool features and, and all this cool stuff 
um, that will always be relevant and interesting. And I, and it's just, you know, it's a nice desk piece and I can take it out and I can read it whenever. Um, there's just something much like having a physical game. There's just something very different about being able to actually hold the product in your hands. It's something um, tangible, isn't it? You know, it's something yeah. tangible. It's something physical. You've got something to show for what you've invested in. And I think that we're, we're starting to enter an era now where... Um, I think the gaming industry in general is, is wanting to move away from physical. And I think that, you know, much, much like there's been a revival with vinyl records and, and, and you get you know, independent persons like myself that are trying to do print magazines and obviously the, the kind of thing that you, you guys do. Um, there will always be people providing physical versions of, of, of these kind of medium. But I think the publishers and the developers themselves are looking to, to kind of move away from that. You see that with with the uh, the digital-only Xbox that they have. You know, the PlayStation 5 has been revealed in two versions. You know, one's digital, one without. And I, and I think that it will be a very, very sad day when physical media isn't actually supported. You know, because, um, you know, there's there's that whole can of worms with digital ownership and your ability to resell and, and things like that, which hasn't been uh, hasn't really been looked after too well, has it? Yeah, I mean, for games, like it's 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 a constant worry for me. Um, the preservation of video games, digital game, digi- the digital renaissance, the should be better for preservation. Of course, it should because it's digital and it doesn't rot and get lost and thrown away like physical products do. And yet, somehow, it is worse um, because of licensing and because of you know companies only really care about a product for as long as it makes them money. Yeah. Um, so then it's. it's gone and delisted and that sort of thing and uh, yeah it's a very scary time for games uh, i mean I've, I've i think i've said in a previous podcast that i think that this next generation of consoles we have may very well be the last that support physical media as we know it i think i think there are enough people around that like physical games and physical products that it will exist in some form um even if that's just companies like the one that i work for maybe in 10, 15 years from now, maybe we'll just be releasing a game on a little USB stick um, that's nicely designed and you can plug that into a console <laughs> and play it. Um, who knows? Because the problem is uh, companies like ours will support these pro- these these systems for as long as possible. But if they remove the disk drive or the cartridge drive or whatever, then we can't. Yeah, <laughs> then, what are we gonna do? then what? Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure there will be enough people that it's still profitable on, on some levels for, for companies. So maybe it'll be an SD card, maybe it'll be a USB stick, um, and that the games on there are just nicely designed and in nice packaging and stuff. I'm sure it will exist in some form. Yeah. Um, I hope so. I mean, um, and then the same for... I hope so, yeah. Um, and then I'm sure the same is the case for... Um, for magazines, um, of course, unfortunately, for sort of the, uh, the sort of bigger magazines that we see uh, for the, for the UK, a lot of those are future publishing. Um, we're seeing a lot of them disappear. I mean, over the years, uh, countless number of magazines have just completely disappeared off of store shelves, um, which is obviously massively disappointing because it's fabulous stuff, uh, really great work in um, in print mags because they're so feature focused. They they don't have to worry about the SEO grabbing of all the news. Um, and they can be so so feature focused and work really hard on having these really cool editorial pieces, um, but unfortunately we're seeing them disappear off of UK shelves. Um, but it, it fills me with with sort of um, hope that we're seeing people like you spring up. So so magazines like Switchplayer Magazine and Nitty Fresh um, fills me with hope in that print print uh, print media in terms of, 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 of uh, games writing is not strictly disappearing it's just changing as we know it so as opposed to having 
opposed to popping into WH Smith's um, and picking up a copy of Edge, I can go onto Patreon and 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 just subscribe for a monthly Switchware magazine. And it's that that fills me with hope that it's because what you are doing seems to work, and that method really works for people. Um, I find it quite easy that you know you could just go on Patreon, you back at the level you want, bam, then there it is. You've got the Switchware magazine coming every month, like a like a subscription service. Um, I find that really easy and that's a really good, that's a really positive progression for me. Um, so hopefully, hopefully it does mean that, that that sort of thing can exist um, in the future. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it just feels uh, we hope that, that that kind of product works. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, um, you know, obviously I've been doing this for a long, long time. So it's not just switch player for three years. I, I did, we ran the Vita lounge in a, in a previous iteration of ourselves as yeah. well with, um, with uh, Vita mag. So, you know, we've been making magazines off and on for about six or seven years now. Um, but it's kind of in the research for Ninty Fresh, I'm amazed at how many people are actually trying to make their own indie magazines on Kickstarter. And I think it's kind of like the emergence oh, yeah. and the success of, of crowdfunding, um, which is actually enabling that to, to, to kind of happen because you know I, I couldn't just go and support a magazine and just make it off the cuff and then see if somebody wants to wants to buy it I need the support and the belief and the generosity of others to basically fund the issue up front it's the only way that mm-hmm. that I could do that and yeah um, and and yeah it's just that, that, that although Ninty Fresh is kind of unique in, in in what we're trying to do with a hybridization of of modern and and old Nintendo. Um, retro is coming back in a big big way. I mean, there were there were four mm-hmm. at the time of, of recording this different retro themed magazine publications on Kickstarter for various different systems, from, right? From Amiga to to, to to all sorts. You know, it's um it's it's very niche, but there is a demand for it, mm. and obviously um. You know, smaller independent people like ourselves, we don't have big corporate overheads. You know, we don't have big HR departments. We don't have big legal teams. You know, we, we've just got a team of enthusiasts that all pull together. And however much we make is our budget. That's how much, how many, how many yeah. we make and, 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 and fund. You know, and the, so therefore the risk is relatively low to us. Um, whereas, you know, a big, a big entity like Future, they have to balance the books, don't they? And they have to look at what's, what's making money, what's not making money, and then make, you know, difficult calls their end. Yeah, it's so much more difficult because, uh, I mean, even even little things like they have to worry about how grabbing the cover is because a lot of their buyers are just off-the-shelf random passerbys buying it as opposed to subscribers. Um, so they have to worry about, does the cover look interesting enough? And as we've seen from the closure of things like the uh, the the old official Nintendo magazine, they're kind of at the behest of, of the success of whatever it is that they're covering. Um, so, for example, when the Wii U did poorly here, the official Nintendo magazine was shut because, well, the Wii U is doing poorly. <laughs> so yeah. people don't want to read about it. Um, which is just, you know, and, and the great thing about magazines like, like what you're doing is it's so, as you say, you you just have to worry about getting the, the, the people to purchase it beforehand and then you're fine and then you've got the budget that you need and you don't need to worry about people pulling it off the shelf and, and grabbing people's attention off the shelf i'm sure you come but you have your own concerns and issues and ways you need to get a hold of people but um yeah it's just a really interesting evolution of how print magazines are um and and you know you you, you both of your magazines have a have their own kind of each one is its own sort of different vibe and it's different niche which i quite like obviously neat brush isn't out yet um but I get that's more of a uh, sort of switch player is focusing on switch and Ninty Fresh is more of a sort of 
retro gamery kind of thing and it's covering nintendo across the generations yeah. am i right yeah pretty much i mean when when we launched switch player we kind of ran off the back of everything that we'd done with with vitamag i mean you know from you know although they're they're enthusiast projects they run like businesses you know and, and and in a business you have to make business decisions so you should be constantly looking at how you can improve and how you can evolve so you know we we had a lot of learns from vitamag that we took into switch player however the Vita only sold about 14 million systems worldwide. The Wii U only sold about 14 million systems worldwide. So in our in our planning and in our, in our um, setting our stall out, so to speak, we only expected the Switch to do probably as well as either of those. So we kind right. of ran with, with, with the model that we've kind of been locked into for 42 issues now, which was A5 has to be a letter. We're only going to make a certain amount of these every month and it needs to be cost effective. Whereas, and and and... We kind of, although it works for us, we're kind of stuck. We can't change it. It's it's specifically Switch. We can only cover the Switch. We can't change the size. We can't change the page count because we can't affect or change the, um, the 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 tiers or the pricing structure on Patreon. You know, we basically have to invite everybody to then change their tier themselves. But then right. carries a level of risk. Um, you know, if if I say okay, we're going to do this now, and then we say to them, right, you need to change your tier, and they all go everything falls out of the bottom, doesn't it? So you have to kind of right. balance what you're doing. On top of that, we went and asked the Patreon supporters what did they want us to do, and they were very much like, we like this, we want it to stay how it is, which then opened up the door to, so what do we do then? Because Nintendo has such a such a rich history of systems and games that isn't being covered anymore. And with the runaway success of the Switch, there are people that are buying a Switch that have never bought a Nintendo system before. You know, mm. they're not going to be as familiar with the um, with with that history. So we started looking at a spin-off, and very quickly, as as spin-offs tend to do, it snowballed into something else. Um, yeah. And uh, and we felt it was best to just completely have a different thing. So the 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 kind of the ethos was it's going to be like O and M crossed with retro gamer. So we're going to have. Right. A, you know the styling is very very inspired by O&M but not too much that it infringes on copyright um, <laughs> and and basically the coverage is we have that 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 switch stuff so about 25% of the magazine is is switch um, around about 60% of it is retro and about you know the, the remainder the remaining 15 20% or whatever is um is other stuff so sort of like editorials interviews and we've got fun and games mm. and quizzes and little things like that in there just to make it like a really fun engaging read all around that's the plan anyway <laughs> that's the plan um yeah cool it sounds really good i i sort of uh it was it was really exciting when i saw that announcement it was really exciting and interesting it looks really good um it's interesting to know what the kind of differences between those two magazines um yeah, it's really good just seeing print media thrive in in this very different way. Um, so it, it's it's interesting to see the kind of niches that people are filling with those print mags as well. So one of my favourite uh, print mags that have spawned out of crowdfunding is uh, A Profound Waste of Time, which is very different. It's a very arty book. Um, I definitely recommend people go look it up. It, I think it's coming out basically annually. I don't think they have a strict um, time frame, but the last one came out about a year ago and the next one should be out this year. And it's just sort of, it's more book really than a magazine, it's sort of a book um, covering sort of games as art and it has interviews and it's this really sort of in-depth thing for people that are really invested in the games industry. And it's that sort of thing that really frankly would never have turned up on a, on a shelf in a newsagent. Um, 
and frankly if if in an incredibly harsh and awful way if if print media in news agents weren't falling the way they were i wonder if those sort of magazines would have space on crowdfunding uh, platforms to begin with um so yeah i'm definitely filled with hope to see to see these kind of um these kind of publications ping up and it's uh yeah it's really it's really exciting to see them um Another thing I should mention, which I, I don't think I did mention at the beginning, is I did actually write for Switch Player what, like once, maybe twice, in the very early days of the magazine. You did, yeah. Um, yes, I think you wrote a piece on F Zero, and um, and you wrote about the launch of the Switch. That was it. Yeah, um, which was really cool because again, like I, ha- as someone that likes physical things, it was really cool to see something that I'd written in print form, which is really awesome. Um, and as I'm sure you probably see, I, I have a lot of writers that will often talk to me and you may have even seen me do it but i'll often tag in switch and be like oh well, these guys are looking for writers all the time you should go and pitch something to these um so i get that happen a lot and i guess really sort of changing topic a little bit it's interesting to see um magazines like like yourself um because you are a magazine um be sort of this entry point for for writers um because how it used to be, so so I kind of started off on a very small website called Final Boss Fight, which I'm sure absolutely nobody has heard of, um, and then moved on to sort of my own site and the mirror and things, and it kind of gives this the it kind of gives writers a a different kind of entry point and to have their own work in physical form. Like I'm sure the people that write for you are just absolutely ecstatic to be having something they've written in print form in their hands. Yeah, I mean. For for me, that's one of the important things that I do as well. I mean, my wife jokes that the magazine is just my ego in physical form. Um, but, you know, it's but it's much more than that to me. You know, it, it's kind of I, I want there to be a history of of somebody has tried to cover the switch. You know, and give exposure to smaller developers to 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 the, to the bigger games to to paint. It's a snapshot of what happened in this time in history. But it is also yeah. that platform for people to jump on to get some experience, to get some exposure, and and not the kind of exposure where they just wave, you know, blank pieces of paper at a screen. You know, although we can't pay the rates that other people do, they get paid as well. You know, it's kind of like you know, so they're earning some money. And they're having something physical to show. Um, you know, our, our, our designer, he, he's, he's gone through a couple of jobs in the last couple of years, and he takes the magazines with him every time he goes for a job interview. You know, and, and it's like, yeah. this, this is what I do. You know, and, and it's like, it, it's just, you know, it, it's just that look at this, and then somebody says, oh, that's cool. You know, and it's um, a couple of times I've tried to, to, to get jobs in the industry myself, and I've, I've obviously showcased the magazine, and everyone says it's cool. Everyone says that's amazing. It hasn't managed to transfer into into a job yet um you know it's cool but but you know it's yeah if, if somebody is then able to go and get some some success and i've been able to help springboard them there i, I kind of feel good about that you know because if you can help them, mm. you should that's that's kind of how i feel about this kind of thing it's um you know, in, 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 in the research for Ninty Fresh, I've been reaching out to quite a lot of retro people and, and like asking if they wouldn't mind looking at my campaign, if they'd be interested in working in the future, because obviously I'm, with a retro focus, I'm going to need some retro experts. It's like, you know, would you sure. mind giving this a retweet? And quite a few people have just given me a load of abuse back. And it's like, but it costs you nothing to retweet something. You know, it costs you nothing to, to help somebody like that. Why, why would you not want to help somebody? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. But, um, you know. Yeah, 
on that specifically, I, I think people are so protective of what they see to be their brand. Yeah. So even if it, even if it's just like a, a, a retweet, because I will, I, I will get people that will DM me and be like, Hey mate, I'm doing this. Do you think you can share it? And if it's, if I think it's cool, I share it. Like it's, it's, it's so not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and what I usually would do is, is you know, if it looks weird, I understand if people think it looks a bit weird to just retweet something. What I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll write it. Like I'll write copy for it and, and, and think it. And that looks a bit more natural. And that seems to work more for me. So, yeah, I think it's important to to sort of support other creators and, and, and developers and people doing, you know, if, if it would be a bit different if Activision DM me went, hey, mate, new Call of Duty game. Can you share yeah. this for us? I, mean, like, I understand. No, you're right. Thanks. I mean, I, I understand, you know, there's a difference. There's a very, very fine line between saying something is cool and being seen to endorse it. You know, it, it, mm. it's kind of, you know, oh, I have a fantastic relationship with Nintendo UK, but they don't retweet the magazine because they can't be seen sure. to, be, to be endorsing that that product, you know. And, yep. it's, um, you know, I, I personally don't see the difference between retweeting the link to my magazine and, and retweeting, say, Nintendo Life that has all their advertising library plastered all over the website, um, you know, because it's still monetized, isn't it? It's just a different way of of, of yeah t- obtaining that kind of funding. But um, you know, I respect their stance on it. You know, and 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 that's just how it is. But it's like it's when people are being rude to you. You know, it's like there's no need for that, is it? Seeing as we've gone on to it, the retro gaming group in the UK is actually a really interesting one. Um, it's something I had to start start exploring at my time at Numskull because um. Uh, if people aren't aware, um, I used to work at Numsco, and one of the products they create is the quarter arcades, um, arcade cabinets, like these miniature arcade things you can play. Um, and obviously, I was PR there, so I, I sort of reached out and connected with uh, a lot of retro people um, with the help of uh, Games You Loved, Chris from Games You Loved, who um, is really well connected to the UK retro oh, scene. Um, and uh, and yeah, so we we. Um, and it's a really interesting community, actually. Like, there's a lot of streamers and small YouTubers and, and, and writers and, um, you know, some bigger YouTubers like Ashens and Larry, Larry Bundy and, and Retro Future are kind of in that that sort of clique. And it's it's such a it's such an interesting little clique of people. It really is. Um, we went to an event together. Um, oh, my gosh, I can't remember what it was. The Retro Gaming event in the UK. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, very passionate scene. Um, but... Um, it's also a scene of people that I suppose could be seen to be very stuck in their ways and very adamant about what is and isn't retro and um, perhaps not always the most welcoming for new ideas. So I can see why you would um, perhaps have, have seen some pushback from, from certain people. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, I was surprised at how big it actually is, you know, and, and it's not just, yeah. and it's not just kind of like specifically retro. It's, it's the modern scene and all this kind of stuff as well. It's like, it's, it's yeah. You know, I mean, from my point of view, I suppose what I really want is um, to be able to get a, a Virtual Boy because obviously the Virtual Boy was never released in, in, in the UK um, or Europe, mm-hmm. officially. Um, so I want to get myself a Retro Boy, but I don't want to be spending three or four or five hundred pounds on one. Um, so that's yeah. kind of like what, what kick-started the whole thing, really. <laughs> that's what kick-started the whole Ninty Fresh. Yeah, I, I want a Virtual want Boy. Spend, I don't want to spend 400 quid on a Virtual Boy. Um, and then it kind of... Like, <laughs> You know, all kind of went from there. Yes, is that actually how that happened? <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, I, you know, I, I bought myself a Wii U. The Wii U was the only, um, you know, system that I never actually had that had released in the UK. Right. Um, but um, I, I kind of have always wanted a, a, a Virtual Boy. 
you know, and he's only got like 11 games or something. But mm. know, it's kind of just to say that I've had that piece of history. Yeah, I mean, we, we are at the... Um, I find that about half of the people listening to these podcasts are in the US, so I tr- I'm trying not to be too UK restrictive. But for those that don't know, here in the UK, we are so limited on space. Like, our houses are not very big. We simply don't have the space that most people in the US have in their homes. Even a small house in the US is not small by any means by our standards. Um, we don't have basements usually. We don't have big rooms. Um, so for us to collect games and old consoles and stuff is so much more difficult. Um, but I try to do it. Like I, I'm, I'm becoming very interested in a lot of the older consoles. Like I would really like a Virtual Boy. I would really like like a full NES library. And um, I find I'm weird, so I really like very strange consoles. Like I like the CDI and a lot of the consoles that people perhaps haven't heard of. And I even like bootleg consoles, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a thing I've become interested in really recently. Um, like the Chintendo V. <laughs> what a classic. Um, and like completely unironically, I want these random bootleg consoles um, just because they come with really stupid, terrible games on them but that you can't find anywhere else. They're completely unique to this stupid bootleg console. And I find that really interesting. Um, I don't know why I got onto this topic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, it's, it's, it's difficult for us in the UK to collect uh, um, a lot of consoles and, and, and uh, full libraries of games because we just simply don't have the space. Um, but I want a Virtual Boy. Yeah, I mean, I've got every, every Amiibo. Um, they're all currently still in their packages in, in my mother-in-law's loft. Um, we recently moved house. And the plan is that I'll have them all, mm-hmm. all, all on display. But I don't know where I'm going to have them on display. You know, it's kind of, yeah. you know, the plan is that I'm going to gonna build a shed, but it's like, there's nearly 200 Amiibo. Where are they going to go? Yeah. And then, then yeah. you know, and then Nintendo have, have, have kind of teamed up with Lego, and uh, now you, you can have a, a tremendous amount more plastic that, that you're going to have to try and store. That's right. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, God. And um, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar situation, which... Um, obviously, I collect games, but I also collect video game merchandise, usually figures and stuff. I have a lot of it. And that's all in cabinets and shelves in my family home. I, I live with my partner and his partner's family. Um, so all of that stuff is back at my family house in my old bedroom. But one day, I'm going to, one day soon, <laughs> I'm going to be moving into my own place. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to take it with me because I'm going to need like a whole, whole room. fairly big yeah. room for that stuff. Um yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do long term. <laughs> I keep buying, but I have absolutely no idea where all that stuff's going to go. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm looking at these, these all of these, uh, this, these, this plethora of, um, of of retro gamers and their collections, and I'm just completely in awe and just you know, yeah. dreading to think how much it would cost to replicate that. You know, it's, uh... yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's like it costs a lot, but for I mean, it's for me, it's mostly just the space issue is such a huge thing, like. Because uh, I'm quite good at finding things on eBay and finding things for fairly inexpensive prices, like merchandise and games and stuff, um, boot sales and that sort of thing. But but just space, like yeah, I, I I have to tame myself simply because of the amount of space. I don't have space to, to put all these yeah. things away. But yeah, seeing seeing a lot of the uh, retro gamer YouTube channels that they have and their collections, uh, it's just amazing and it's it's cool as someone that you know speaks so much about preservation and physical media and stuff. I obviously want a lot of physical product. Um, but hey ho, that's how it is. I mean, I see the convenience of digital. <laughs> it makes me see the convenience of digital stuff. This sort of thing. Yeah, but um, you know, you need big memory cards for digital, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
for me, like they just don't have permanence. That's like my main. That's my main thing. That's the thing digital media is you know, they're obviously convenient. You know, if they shut if they shut down the digital storefront, what happens? You know, at the end of the day, that investment is gone, isn't it? You know, you can't download it again. Yeah, yeah. I've even taken it so far that um, I've never been that invested in things like PlayStation Plus. Um, right from the get go, I was never really that interested in it. I pay for it now just so I'm able to play online. Yeah. But I'm not interested in the free games you get because. I've absolutely no idea whether whether I still own them in uh, ten years' time. Yet, when it, it's it's such a me issue, and I'm very aware of that. I know this isn't something that most people care about, but for me, when when PlayStation Plus was first introduced and it was on the PS3, my first thought when they were giving these free games out was, well, when inevitably one day they stop supporting the PS3, do I just lose those? Are they gone? Do I just not have them anymore? And that seems to be the case. I, I, I mean, I'm willing to be corrected by someone, but I don't know whether. PlayStation have promised, don't worry, if PlayStation Plus ever ends, you get to keep all these. I don't know if that is the case. Um, and so it just... And I think it's a license, you know, and, and it's yeah. like, you know, you are licensed to play those games as long as your subscription lap doesn't lapse. Um, and, yeah. and as a license, I think that they then have the, the right whether you can access it or not. I think it's very, very small print. You know, in, in, in terms of, of that, it is almost like a precursor to streaming games, isn't it? It's like they've given you access to it, but there's a caveat. You know, you have to keep the yeah. to be able to access it. Yeah, so stuff like that has always just worried me. So I was immediately not bothered. Like, if there was a game that came to PlayStation Plus and I was interested in it, I would want to purchase it um, instead so that I had it, uh, at least digitally, um, for, for forever. Of course, I would prefer physical versions, but not everything has one. Um so yeah, it's it's um, sort of bouncing over to another topic. Um, I find it interesting that uh, we're getting another physical Wii game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but yeah, the Shakedown Hawaii. Yeah. Um, obviously, for for someone that works at a physical games publisher, I really like the idea of people making more physical Wii games. That could be something I could get so into <laughs> if if someone was making loads of um, if someone just made physical versions of the WiiWare games. Um, as yeah. a physical work. absolutely i mean the um v blank entertainment um the, the developer behind um shakedown hawaii um they obviously did um was it i can't remember what it's called um retro city rampage yeah um and i believe the story is that it was made to run on a nez as well um at mm-hmm. that point you know it's kind of like because that's where the inspiration came from it's kind of like a grand theft auto style game but for the mm-hmm. Nets, that's where the, 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 the kind of the inspiration came from again, you know, going back to that kind of retro, but keeping the, the, the physical aspect alive. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about them is they were kind of at the forefront of the whole rare print games yeah. movement. Um, that, that physical release of Retro City Rampage was one of the first sort of rare print limited um games when it came out for i think it was the ps4 release was the first one something like 2000 units sold up really quickly they had they reprinted it in a different version um yeah and, and if i remember correctly they were way that were, they were before oh yeah, Super yeah, yeah, yeah. Soundtrack vocals, you know it's like even stuff that some of the publishers don't offer now um hmm. it's like they were doing all that right at the uh, right out the gate it was um hmm. it was quite an impressive thing but obviously there's um there's quite a few of you trying to do this thing yeah. like moi <laughs> um but uh um yeah i mean it, it's really cool that, that they're releasing uh that b blank are releasing a physical wii game um there was this whole thing about 
uh, Ubisoft last E3 making a big deal out of how Just Dance 2020 would be the last physical Wii game. Um, doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, I don't. I, I imagine that can't go on for much longer. I don't know a specific date, but I'm sure that physical Wii production, its time is coming. Yeah. Um, similar, similar to the PlayStation Vita, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, they're, they're yeah. probably sure that, that are trying to continue the the legacy with Vita physical releases, but obviously the door is closing on. I think the door may have closed. I think that they've that, that there's only a finite yeah. number of cartridges available now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's basically done. Again, a diff- that's a topic we could talk about forever. The Vita. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like actually the Vita, the Vita um, physical releases for the Vita was kind of the pre. It, I guess it, re- it replicates you and what you've done as well. It kind of was almost a precursor to the Switch in a lot of different ways. Um, like I've seen a lot of that community and the people passionate about it. There's been a lot of crossover with with those in the Switch. Um, I guess because it's a it's a handheld system that wasn't really supported that well. Um, a lot of passionate people, um, and then people felt very similar about the Wii U, and now there's a switch, so those people have kind of got what they want out of it. And um, yeah, there's there's an interesting crossover there. There's you know a lot of the rare print games stuff uh, was really pushed by by the Vita, and then yourself starting starting a Vita magazine and then pushing that over with 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 Switch stuff. So yeah, I guess um, I guess physical media in general has. Uh, There'll always be a home yeah. and there'll always be an audience. It's just um, from from our point of view, it's difficult to to reach mm. as many people as 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 we can. You know, we're kind of limited by our by our reach. Um, you know, we've got a fantastic number of supporters, and and you know, we'd make this for just one person. You know, but but it's kind of like knowing that there are more people that would be interested in what you're doing. You just physically can't mm-hmm. can't reach them without spending money, and that's money we don't have to spend. You know, it's 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 a challenge. But you just keep keep slogging away every day, trying to you know increase your your reach, increase your exposure, and just make the best thing that you can, and hope that word of mouth spreads on on what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, have you seen? Have you have you seen? A lot of growth with Switch player over the time as well, because obviously the console was doing so well. Yeah, um, it stayed kind of constant um, over over sort of like the first two and a half years of of its life. Um, we redesigned mm-hmm. in January. We generally redesign every January um, just to keep it fresh and keep it going. Because um, I, I don't think you should ever just rest on what you have. You should always be seeking to improve. Um, our redesign mm-hmm. in January saw us gain around about hundred new supporters. And, um, and and obviously, as per your your disclosure at the start, uh, our, our you know relatively new partnership that we're doing with yourselves saw about hundred more supporters join up just because of the trading call. Because cool. um, obviously, um, for 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 the time being, we're we're in, in a partnership where we're giving away an exclusive trading card for a uh, super rare games title, and uh, that's that's seen demand shoot up a little bit. Um, cool. You know, it's, it's the it's the audience, isn't it? You know, if, if you tell somebody that, you know, there's only a certain amount of these and this is the only place you can get it, there will be people that feel they have to have it. So, yeah, and and again, I think it's there's a natural crossover there with yeah. obviously Super Rare Games collectors like physical things, and you are a physical print mag. And for a lot of a lot of those people that may not have heard of you before, probably haven't seen print mags around they probably aren't aware of of there being small print mags around that you can no. order from online so that's probably just been a completely new thing for them i mean um i grew up without the internet i mean i'm i'm 42 this year and um you know the internet mm. although it was being worked on as i was a teenager wasn't really a thing 
Um, so, so kind of like for for a lot of to, for a lot of our audience and for a lot of today's generation, they've only known the internet, so they don't understand many mm. things. It's like you know all these kids with their with their let's plays and their TikToks and all this kind of stuff. I don't really understand that. You know, it's like I, I grew up with magazines. That's why I understand magazines and why I have such a huge passion for it. But it's like, you know, everybody yeah. is, is just all about, you know, what's what's the hot thing? What's the current fad? You know, it's a, it's a throwaway culture. And it's kind of like, you know, it, yeah. yes. it's a shame, but that's what I'm kind of trying to do here, having something, look, look this isn't throwaway, you know, and, and I think that it's quite it's quite nice that obviously with the physical thing that you have and the physical thing that we have because there is that crossover that shared audience there's a bit of synergy between mm. the pair of us you know yeah i mean you've touched upon something really there i don't want to sound like old man yelling at cloud but you're definitely right about how we live in a throwaway culture now and that has leaked through to beyond games that that's everything everything is is a temporary experience and nothing has permanence or 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 sort of value past the point of you experiencing it i mean the the sort of thing i look at and go dear god i hope we don't get like that um is spotify like undoubtedly useful for consumers that's why it is so successful you pay a monthly fee bam all the music in the world of course that has value of course that is useful i see the benefits of it i use it myself but on the other hand artists get so little money out of spotify that it's basically meaningless to them now i mean it's 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 massively massively changed the music industry it's there's no permanence to it it's just people will listen to it and and songs can be delisted at any point really like there's there's a lot of songs that i listen to that are on my personal music library that just aren't on spotify for whatever reason and songs can be delisted and disappear for for the same sort of licensing issues that happen with games and I look at Spotify and it's just, it's an example of what we do not want to happen to the games industry. It's just the artists aren't paid very well. They can't depend on it anymore. It's effectively just, it's really changed and sort of ruined the music industry. And that is a point that I don't want games to get to, that I fear it could get to if we, as we seem to be, going towards a solely subscription service-based model for gaming. Um, if we get to that point, there's going to be license. You know, the sort of licensing issues we've seen affect some games will happen more regularly. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just this throwaway culture thing. Um, again, I'm sort of sounding like old man yelling at, at clouds, but uh, it is. It's just it's just it, it, it. Especially in the entertainment industry, in games and music and movies, there's such a throwaway culture of oh, I've experienced that now, off it goes. Yeah, um, it's Redley as well. I don't know if you've ever heard of Redley. Um, but it's a subscription-based service for magazines, and um, it's like mm. or eight pound a month. And even future magazines are on there, um, even the kind of ones that future are shut down in the last couple of years. But and it's like it's a handy thing to have as a reference. But it's kind of like you know, again, licensing that they could pull it at any time, and then you you know what you've paid for over the years, you don't actually have any kind of ownership over. Yeah, yeah, and even that that's a, that's on the consumer end, but on the on the other, on the flip side, um, sort of plugging into us uh, saying about why it's good for your writers to have a print print version of their work, is that there's been examples of some online sites and outlets that have just simply shut down immediately and disappeared, um, and haven't warned their their writers, so they've just lost years worth of their work that they don't they can't go and retrieve for their CVs or for their own portfolios and stuff, um, which is terrible. But at least with sort of a magazine like yours or any print mag that is never a threat here's the magazine i wrote this um 
yeah, it's just a, it's it's a general thing that our culture seems to be moving towards in general is this throwaway culture sort of thing, and uh, it's it's something that I talk about a lot. Um, I do very much feel like a <laughs> feel like an old man shouting against the inevitable future with a lot of it, but it's still important to raise these topics and these points. And um, you know, if we're wrong, we're wrong. That's even better, I guess. If there's enough people challenging what these people think to show that there's a demand for it, then you know, you, you never know, do you? You know, I, I was talking to um, to Richie from the Pokemon Company um, just a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm. He he was saying that you know, obviously, magazines have kind of going away, but they're they're in the process of sorting out an official Pokemon magazine. You know, so it is possible for these things to come back if there's enough of a demand. Yeah, 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 and I think that that makes sense. Like a a, a Pokemon magazine, and um, there's like a. I think there's only one other major kids gaming magazine at the moment, which is called the Hundred and Ten Percent Gaming. Yeah. There's like Fortnite specific ones and things like that. But it's such an easy thing for a parent to pick up in a shop. So those sort of things, I can see the appeal of that. And a, and a Pokemon magazine, I can imagine they still do quite well. <laughs> it's a fiver for like something that's forty-eight pages as well. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and they usually come with a little gift and yeah. stuff as well. And um, yeah, I see the appeal. Um, Anyway, um, I guess we should wrap up now so I can go and eat a big, tasty sandwich. Um, Paul, do you want to let people know where they can find you and Switch Player and Minty Buzz online? So you can find Switch Player on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Switch Player. And we're on Twitter at Switch Player Mag. Um, and Ninty Fresh is going to have more details soon. Um, but you can find us on Twitter at Ninty Fresh Mag. Obviously, there will be, you know, once, once the fundraiser is finished, there will still be ways that people can get in on it afterwards. Um, but we don't know how many uh, how many will have spare yet. And obviously, although the first one hasn't quite finished, we are already looking at what we can do for a second issue, which um, as an F-Zero fan, I'm sure you might be interested in what we're trying to do with that one. <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, yeah, I do genuinely encourage anyone, if, if anyone is listening to this and for some reason hasn't heard of these magazines before, please do check them out. Um, it's really important to support print magazines where you can, um, especially small, very passion project ones like this. So please do go check it out. Um, and yeah, hopefully, maybe in a year or two's time from now, Paul, we can have you on talking more about how Neatly Fresh is doing. Absolutely. I'd love to come back. Great. Cool. And we will catch you next time, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can show your support on patreon.com slash toadsanime and get four early episodes a month for just a few bucks. Plus, it helps Ryan buy Digimon toys. Alternatively, spend it on something more important.